Hi, I'm Jo Clark, and thanks so much for joining me today. This is the Redefining Midlife podcast, a podcast designed for the 40 plus woman who is determined to challenge society's myths and beliefs around midlife. It's for the woman who is inspired and ready to define midlife her way. Join me each week as I chat to health and wellness experts for up-to-date information on how to live well, as well as some special conversations with incredible everyday women redefining what midlife can look like. Here's to making our next half of life even better than the first. This year, I turned 55. Now, I think 55 is a number that has a great feel to it. And that's why I decided to recap some of the most popular episodes so far. These recap episodes will lead us into a very special celebration for episode 55. And today I'm featuring Vanya Insel from episode 33 and Kate Toon from episode 18. Now, both of these women are incredibly inspiring. And although they have very different life experiences, there are some common threads in their stories. I'd also love to let you know that since the first airing of their respective episodes, Vanya has released another best-selling cookbook called Summer Favourites, perfect for the season coming up. And Kate has published a number one best-selling book called Six Figures in School Hours. I can highly recommend both of these amazing books and you can find the direct links to these bestsellers in the show notes. I'm just so in awe of how talented Vanya and Kate are. And I know you're going to enjoy this recap episode and I'd love you to share it with someone that you know would enjoy it too. Get ready for an interview with one of Australia's leading online business women. Kate Toon is a multi-award winning digital marketing entrepreneur, most recently winning the 2022 Australian Small Business Influential Woman Award. Kate is an event speaker, podcaster, author, media spokesperson, digital marketing expert, copywriting educator and coach. And as she likes to describe herself, she's basically a misfit entrepreneur. And as I've found, she's also a bloody great human. However, this isn't a business podcast, so we don't really get into the business side of things. This podcast is all about women redefining what the middle of life means for them. So in today's episode, we talk about her life as a midlife woman, a mother and a partner. Kate and I have a great chat about how much she has evolved over the last decade and what she'd love for the future to hold for her. This chat actually felt like sitting down with an old friend and it was so much fun to have. I thoroughly enjoyed our time together. And I'd really love to thank Kate for being so incredibly honest and vulnerable with sharing the good, the bad, and the not so pretty parts of her life. Now let's go back to the younger Kate. I'd love to hear what younger Kate was like when she was in her very late teens and early twenties. What sort of things were you dreaming about and what were your ambitions? Gosh, you know, I, I don't think I had many ambitions, I must admit. I think I had a vague yen to be a magazine writer. That's kind of what I wanted when I left school. I was voted person most likely to write for Smash Hits, which was a <laughs> popular pop magazine in the UK. So yeah. I think writing has always been part of my goal. And I used to do gig reviews. And when I went to university, I worked on the newspaper and then obviously I came out of university and did, didn't do that at all because I had huge debt from student loans and things. So I got a proper job. So I think that was it. I've always been, I was always very driven about, you know, having a boyfriend, very focused on having a boyfriend. God, amount of time I wasted on that. Um, so I wouldn't, I wasn't like a particularly kind of, I look at some women today, younger women today, and they're so driven and ambitious and confident. 
definitely wasn't me no way at all kind of quite shy and retiring nervous Nelly uh, wanting to be in magazines but probably not brave enough to do it so yeah I'm not you know I'm not, I sound like quite mean to myself but I wasn't one of these sort of thrusting fabulous entrepreneur types in my 20s or my 30s to be honest mm-hmm. it's, it's constantly evolving isn't it and I think the older you get probably the more you you give less concerns about what others think and, and that's freeing in a way it is. So quite- did you study when you were in in Australia or did you come to Australia later in life? What's your story behind when you, you came here and, and the why? Yeah, so I um I grew up in the UK, obviously, and uh, as you can tell from the accent, and I came over here about, about 8, 25, 24, 25 as a backpacker. Um, I had no money. I ran out of money within two weeks of arriving in Australia, and so I got a job, and it just so happened to be a pretty amazing job. I was uh, head of digital at Ogilvy, uh, which was a new which was an ad agency and they were just launching into internet stuff. Mm. And because I'd done it in the UK, UK was a bit further ahead. I kind of came here and I was like, really great. You know, so I started off quite a senior role and then gradually over the next three years, as they realized I had no idea what I was talking about, got gradually demoted, which was hilarious. Um, But yeah, that, that's how I came here. It wasn't necessarily intention to stay, but then I got sponsored and was able to stay. And yeah, so that was how I got to Australia. Well, and was that the start of your your business world and your online business that you were starting to create from that point? Oh, gosh, no, absolutely not. So, you know, I only started my online business when I was about 35 and it wasn't a choice. It was a necessity. So um, I'd been told that we wouldn't be able to have kids, me and my husband, but then we miraculously got pregnant, which was amazing. Um, and I had a very full on job in an ad agency at that point, like kind of pretty much general manager of a big department. I knew that if I was to have a kid, it would be I'd be one of the parents, no judgment, but that was going to have to put their kid in childcare at like six weeks and whatever. And I just didn't want to do that because I wanted to have a kid for so long. I was like, I'm going to be all in. So I left my job at five months uh, pregnant. I had no maternity leave because I was on a contract and I just literally had to make money. Uh, because my partner had no money. He had just started a French school. He had one student and I was the breadwinner. So at five months pregnant, I just had to do something to try and bring in money, you know, and that's that's how my business started. Um, not kind of any glorious plan, no savings in the bank, no decision. I jumped. I definitely jumped. I wasn't pushed, but I jumped into the unknown. Yeah, right. That's that's a really interesting way to to, to start your business. And from that point, did you believe that you had the skills that you could grow it into something like did you have a plan did you think that right I'm going to be able to create something really amazing no No, totally hand to mouth totally hand to mouth I mean let's be honest the first year having a brand new baby and being sleep deprived and having like an hour to work it was just desperate you know I mean there's no glamour there it's not like a you know people like oh you know it was such a good time I really found myself no it was it was pretty miserable you know so no I didn't have a plan and I've never had a plan and I still don't have a plan now. I never had a business plan. I don't set goals. I've never had a business coach, never had a mentor, never joined a mastermind. I just kind of go day to day and kind of try, yeah, you know, like I I probably should think more of myself, but I just trust that I'll be okay. It all mm. works out. You know, yeah, bad bits, good bits, great launches, fails. So no, never a plan. It's all just been a natural evolution. I, I love to take, you know, the untrodden path People like, you know, don't look at shiny objects. I love shiny objects. Most of my business is built on shiny objects. So, yeah, just kind of bumbling along has been my uh, plan. 
That's quite phenomenal because I'm only in the early stages of my business and have had some mentoring and I'm actually in a mastermind myself right now. And I'm going, oh, there, I've got so many shiny objects. I don't think I would start something if someone didn't say, right, it's been not, not tell me what to do, but mm. encourage me perhaps to start on that. So listening to you being able to do that and still create something quite phenomenal is is amazing because it can be done, I suppose, for different, depends on your personality type perhaps. It really does. And the problem I have, Joe, is I'm not very good at being told what to do. Yeah. In fact, if you tell me what to do, I'll, I'll actually visibly recoil you know yeah. and so but even I get funny about me telling me what to do so if I do set a goal I remember like about four years ago I set a goal of getting 5,000 followers on Instagram stupid goal don't know why I did it and then I did everything but you know I ranked number one on Google for hundreds of terms I launched an email list I launched a course and I didn't achieve that goal because as soon as I'd set it as a goal I kind of lost interest in it and mm. so I do think it's important to look at yourself and think about how coachable you are I just want to own my own decisions mm. um, and I also I'm a bit funny that I don't want anyone else to take credit for my adventure you know and some coaches are a bit like oh look at my person I helped to do earn seven figures and you're like did you know you talked to her for like an hour a week she did the work you did like one yeah. percent she did 99 and there you are kind of claiming her as your win she's her own win so I get funny about that. I don't believe in balance. I believe that sometimes you're a good parent, sometimes you're a good partner, sometimes you're a good business person, and they're very rarely all at the same time. Um, I am. I think I'm very good at pro being productive and I'm very good at setting to-do lists and motivating myself. So patience, I think, has been the key to me being able to build a successful business. I'm 15 years into this nearly, 14. My son's nearly 14. So, you know, that's a long time. Mm. it's a long time you know and you can't compare me to someone who's been doing it for three years after three years I still barely knew what I was doing you know so um it's just time and patience and persistence I think that have been the mm. key. yeah so are you would you see yourself as being quite intuitive a lot of the decisions that you've made business-wise and then personal life was that based on a, a strong feeling that you had um so you you acted upon that because you said you like to to do things yeah. quickly you know it's funny no one's ever asked me that and I've, I've never really thought of it in those terms I guess I am I guess I am I don't you know I, I try these days to be much more to think about why I think about what I think about that makes mm -hmm. sense you know to separate the me the myself and the I to separate the thought the feeling from the thought and the thought from the action but in those days I didn't I just was blundering around but I guess in a way you're right I was being led by something and it was probably my intuition, but I've just never framed it in that way. So thank you, Joan. That's maybe oh, you're very welcome. No, that, that all comes with the the cost at the end of the session. <laughs> <laughs> so over the past couple of years, you've started to reinvent yourself personally and explore new ways of being, new habits around the areas of wellness. What was the actual catalyst for some of those changes? And if you can tell other people who don't know of you what those changes have been. Yeah, so I did work very hard. You know, I am a hard worker. I'm one of these people who measures themselves by their productivity, which is not great. Uh, we all pick something, uh, how well off you are, how much love you have, whatever. I've always been like, oh, you know, roll my sleeves up, get the work done. And, and as long as I've done that, then that's all you can ask. So I worked very, very hard, probably too hard. My uh, partner and I kind of, I kind of started to drift apart a little bit. So I found a lot of solace in work because in work I felt like I was in control um got a bit lonely in my relationship if I'm honest and so again in work I found a lot of comfort and solidarity so I kind of gave everything to work I put on about 
35 kilos uh got quite overweight and that started to cause some real health issues fatty liver and things like that and I just reached a real nadir if I'm honest a real low and um I don't know what the instigus was to kind of get out of it but I just wanted to take action so uh I think it was a real acceptance this is quite personal but I had a real moment of accepting that my my marriage wasn't going to be what I wanted it to be. So I was going to just do my own thing. I wasn't ready to separate or anything, but I was like, no one's coming to save me. This isn't going to be the love of the, the, the romantic journey. I thought it was going to be, I better get on with my life and make it what it needs to be. So I started to put myself out to speak at conferences and do things, even though I was really overweight, didn't like the way I looked and started to, and then I did start to lose weight it took me two years to lose the weight. Um, and then since then, I've also given up alcohol uh, because alcohol had become a bit of a, a crutch. A glass of wine turned into two to three, you know, and becomes once a week and then it becomes every night and it becomes the norm. And there's a whole mummy culture that it's okay, you know, feel sad, have a wine, feel happy, have a wine. Mm. So I managed to kind of break that. It's taken a couple of years to, to go alcohol free, but I've been alcohol free now for about seven, eight months um, mm. consistently. Um, and that's been amazing. That's been the biggest change. Because finally, I can't escape my feelings ever. Yeah. And so you have to deal with them, which is horrible. Uh, but you do. And you come out the other side and you're fine. So, yeah, that's that's very personal stuff. But, yeah, that's my personal adventure to health. And now I'm going to the gym four days a week. I'm one of those revolting people, Joe. You know, when people say, oh, yeah, I get up at 5.30. I go for a walk on the beach and I go to the gym and then I have a smoothie. I am that person. <laughs> What have you become, Kate? And who is this? Uh, I disgust myself, but uh, <laughs> I, I love it. It's funny, you know, and, and yeah. I'm happier. You know? oh, I have a consistent yeah. level of contentment that I've never had before. I'm not on a roller coaster and I'm just not as reactive to things that happen in my life or my business. Things don't cut as deep. What else is on your your wellness vision that you're you're really wanting to focus on next? Is there something else you want to add to your menu? Yes, absolutely. It's all around, you know, mental health and mindset. So I think I've done a lot to improve my physical health, uh, you know, what I eat, how I sleep, exercise. But still, I think I need to do more work on I've, I, I have a bit of, I'm a bit of a do monkey. Um, as I said, I've, I've got a, obviously a depressive side to me, I'm a bit bleak, a bit sarcastic. You can hear the words coming through of who I am, you know, the, the unlovable thing. So I think that's the next stage for me. I, I use meditation now. I'm trying to do a bit of a gratitude journal. I'm not great at it. And obviously, because I'm somebody that praises streaks and productivity you know I need to get over the fact that if I miss a day of my gratitude journal it doesn't mean I throw that notepad away and have to start again you know I can pick yeah. it up again that's a big thing to forgive yourself for so that's my final bit like just working on the mind and trying to separate that think feel act cycle just because I think a thought doesn't mean I have to feel a certain way and I don't have to act upon it yes and trying to catch myself I used to say this, Joan, I used to say there's like five stages or something. Some people catch themselves after an emotional outburst or a bad feeling a couple of weeks later and they go, God, that was weird. Some people catch themselves immediately afterwards and go, that was weird. Some people catch themselves in the moment and go, stop it. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. Some people notice it coming up, catch themselves just before. I want to get to the stage where like I can feel it coming. And I've noticed that this week I'm in the process of pitching my book. It's very emotional and vulnerable. It's been rejected by one publisher. That's making me have 
issue, you know, questions mm. about my ego and, oh, can I write? And I'm really trying to be gentle with myself because if I don't recognize it now, in a week I'll be in a heap. When all four reject me, you know, which they may not, but they may do, I need to be prepared for that and watch my emotions and feelings. And so I'm trying to, that's my main thing, sort my brain yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, awareness is key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I hear you. <laughs> Sometimes there is that loop that keeps on going and then you've got oh, to work God. out where does that come from? Yes. And then just try to dig dig a little bit deeper because it has to be, yeah, it, it's coming from somewhere. So once you yes. deal with where it's come from initially, then you can start that process of, of healing and fixing. So Kate, over the years, um, we're only starting to talk more openly now as women, maybe because we've got to this age, but I think the conversation is just happening more and more is, is what I'm noticing because there's more platforms to do so. So the whole idea of the, the perimenopausal years and menopausal years and how it's affecting women is something that I think should be shared, needs to be shared. How have you found the transition? Are you through the transition? Are you going through a transition time now? I mean, as jo as you all know, Joe, it's really hard to tell. You know, like I've been to the doctors and said, am I? And they're like, we won't really know until you're not. In a way, you know, we can do blood tests, we can do this, that and the other, but it's quite hard to identify that perimenopause period and the menopause. And also so many of the symptoms are just part of a woman's life, feeling tired all the time, lack of energy, hair coming out of strange places, periods stopping and stopping. That's been my whole life, right? You know, so am I more tired? Is this a different kind of, kind of tired? Am I putting on weight here and there because I'm eating Mars bars? A bit? I don't, so it's quite hard as women because our hormones are affecting us all the time to kind of go, this is perimenopause and this isn't. So I don't know, Joe. And mm -hmm. I'm in the I'm in the menopause groups. I'm listening to the podcasts, and it's kind of quite scary. You know, you read some things that are happening to women, and it's quite frightening. I'm like, oh my god, this is horrifying. Um, and I'm obviously quite keen for it all to be over. I'm sick of periods. How annoying are periods? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm keen for it all to be over, but also, I don't know. I'm I'm quite daunted by it, and so I appreciate the conversations because I want to I don't want to be as scared of it as I am like that I'm yes. gonna in in two years time suddenly I'm gonna grow a beard and put 40 kilos on do you know what I mean <laughs> I yeah there are some awful stories and but also you do also wonder what other lifestyle choices those people are making mm -hmm. you know are you eating well are you exercising are you doing these things and is that compounding it or I don't know so I'm frightened Joe I'll be honest I don't know what's what's coming Aww. maybe I'll just breeze through it my mom breezed through it pretty well yeah. um she was and she was you know menopause around my age I'm 48 nearly 49 um so I don't know ah mm. Joe, this has been lovely. You're lovely. Can oh, I just say that? You're oh, lovely. You I feel like I've had a, a warm hug and a bowl of yeah. porridge. Thank you, Joe. Oh, and thank you for your time, Kate. Absolutely enjoyed it. All right, take care. Thank you. Today, I have the absolute pleasure to introduce you to Vanya Insult from VJ Cooks. Now, if you haven't come across her work, I'm sure you will after this episode. Vanya is a Kiwi food blogger and content creator at VJ Cooks, where she shares her delicious recipes. She has a best-selling cookbook called Everyday Favourites, plus another book that's going to be released later in the year. Vanya also happens to be one of the hardest working and most driven women I've met. And you'll soon discover that she's also incredibly modest and down to earth. Now, without further ado, a very big welcome to my friend Vanya. I'm absolutely delighted to have you on here today, Vanya, and I can't wait for you to talk about and share your story with all of us today. 
Well, thanks so much for having me, Jo. It's a pleasure. So as you heard in the intro, your professional world is based around food and creating recipes for families that are easy to make and tasty to eat. But in the last few years, your work has reached a huge amount of people on social media and on the various platforms. So now you've got a great big membership, which is ever growing. You've got a thriving online community. You've published a cookbook with another one to be released later in the year. Was this how you imagined your life was going to look and be? No, it wasn't at all. But I caught that entrepreneur bug and now I just can't stop. <laughs> I think, no, not at all. My husband was a builder and I was a housewife and uh, I was also a graphic designer for magazines. But we moved to a small town and there was no magazines here. So I had to create my own business pretty much. Ah, so that was a catalyst. So yeah. if we've seen you as yeah, you, you moved to a small town with your husband, you had other jobs previously and you, then you created your own. So if we really rewind back, tell us about your childhood, because you said you moved, and what yes. younger venue was like. What was life growing up for you like? So I had a great life growing up. I grew up on a sheep farm in Rotorua in New Zealand, and we actually had a sheep show that hundreds of tourists every day came to. So maybe that's why I'm such a show-off and love having an <laughs> audience, because that's what my dad did. He um, started it with my granddad, who was a famous sheep shearer. Godfrey Bowen was his name. He was famous in New Zealand. And my granddad started the show, and then my dad was there. And then so we grew up on the sheep farm, and we all worked there. So I started working when I was very young, but probably started working every weekend when I was about 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. And I used to be a stage girl, so I'd take the cow on stage, all the sheep on stage, and the lambs on stage, and... Um, it was a cool way to learn how to work for your money because my dad always like, you've got to work for your money. So we're all all four, there's four sisters and my brother. We're all very hard workers because we got taught at a young age. We needed to work to make money. Yeah. So I grew up in Rotorua, had a fun kind of cruisy life. And then uni, lived in Auckland for a long time, travelled around the world with my husband. And then I had my first son when I was, just before I turned 31. So yeah, and then we moved to Taupo which is in the middle of the North Island when my second son, Henry, was six months old. So that would have been, I would have been about 33 then. Okay. Well, yeah. that's, a really, that's an amazing start. I love love the connection with you being the showgirl, bringing on the sheep and the cattle on stage. That is just <laughs> I can imagine you in that. And you, you have, you've had shared that story with me before that you, um, that you also had a special outfit to wear for when you're doing that. Yeah. I had my jumble boots and my little denim shorts and I often yeah. used the farm tours. So I'd drive a tractor with like 40 tourists in the back and talk about and have a little microphone and talk about the farm, driving mm. around the farm, which was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a cool upbringing. When you're talking about land in New Zealand and land in Australia, you probably had almost as many sheep on your yeah. your few hundred acres that we had on our tens of thousands of acres. So yeah. it's all, it's all re you know, really is relative. Yeah. So what did you want to do when you left high school then? then you, you said you went off to uni. What were you hoping to do? Um, I went to a, did a Bachelor of Fine Arts, BFA, which people call yeah. something else, a Bachelor <laughs> of Equal. <laughs> but I wanted to be a graphic designer. I wanted to make ads for, like, advertising campaigns. But I came out of uni and my first job was junior designer at Taste Magazine. Oh, actually, wow. my first job okay. designer at Yellow Pages. Do you, did you guys have the Yellow yes. Pages? Yes, yes, so you think you the walking on the Yellow yeah, Pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I used to design those ads. 
which actually got me really fast at design because that you'd have to do like 30 ads a day in the uh -huh. design department at the Yellow Pages. Yep. So be designing it for painters and car places and stuff like that. And then I went into Taste Magazine, which was, I was junior designer. So before that I couldn't cook. I had no idea. I was a very plain picky eater. I, I hated mayo. I hated mushrooms. I hated onions. Like I was very mm. picky. And then I just, being in the magazine foodie world, like seeing people cook all the time just really inspired me. Yeah, right. And so did you learn from them or you just decided to try a few different recipes here and there? It was a bit of both. It was mainly because you're designing the recipes, you kind of read them as you're designing it. So I kind of got to know what went with what and then going on the photo shoots and seeing these amazing cooks cook things. Um, I just started trialing a few ones at home and then I was so proud of myself. It's such a cool feeling when you grab a recipe and you something you've never made at home and you nail it. So that's why I'm doing it now to inspire yeah. other people to do that. Yeah. That was a long time ago. So, and then I had like a dinner club with my friends and we'd all make dinner. We had a, we made like if you hosted, you made the dinner and if you're visiting, you either made the entree or dessert or you brought wine. So okay, yeah, yeah. houses. And it was a recipe club, so that kind of got me into it, like trying new recipes, we do it like on a theme, like we do Thai or Mexican, stuff like that. So, mm. yeah. I love that idea. So yeah. basically the jobs that you've had in the past is like the breadcrumbs that have led you to where you yeah. are now, kind of if you yeah. can reflect back. But at the time you had no idea. No. Well, social, social media didn't exist then. Oh. And I ended up doing some freelance design work in um, London as well. But yeah, it just kind of got me that foodie kind of bug, which was exciting. And I think the graphic design skills do help with what I do. Like I could like lay out my website and design mm. Pinterest pins and stuff like that. Having that eye for like styling recipes definitely helped, I think, to get me here. Yes. Yeah. Isn't it interesting to think about the, the degree that you did, the amount of work and hours that you've done and the jobs that you've done, and you can do it all on Canva, like a, a complete. Yeah. I know. Canva's amazing because I used to oh. design it. I've got Canva now so that my team can design ebooks as well because I used to yeah. design the ebooks myself. I've pretty much made my own mini magazine, whereas yes. I do all the jobs instead of just the design job. Mm. Um, but yeah, having Canva's so good. I love it. Mm. Oh, I'd be a game changer for somebody who, you know, doing what you're doing as well. Yeah. Well, I can do it the old school way as well, but it has helped so that my team, because I know those skills and how to do them really fast to design something. But having it in Canva means someone who's not a designer can change things or use a template to create an ebook for me, which I felt hard to outsource that because I'm so, mm. you know, you're trying to control everything, but you can't do it all. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it must make those people who are who are studying to become graphic designers really annoyed with them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what else changed for yourself when you had children? Did you work? Um, I think it's definitely quite weird going from not like having your own identity because I was an art director mm -hmm. by then magazines so I was in a beautiful glossy office with glass and all these amazingly dressed up beauty editors and fashion editors and we were designing beautiful magazines like I used to design Clio magazine the um, yeah. teenage magazine I was art director of that for a while and Good Health magazine which is a woman's magazine which is in Australia so we'd put the New Zealand version of things like New there'd be the Australian Good Health and we'd add New Zealand extracts and a different person on the cover and stuff each month so that was fun so from being an art director to being at home with a baby was quite full-on yeah. so I went back freelance because we still lived in Auckland there after about eight months okay 
yeah, just a few days a week just to have my sanity time, which I liked. Yes. And then I think with Henry, who was a two and a half years later, I wasn't as much in a hurry to get my like business identity back. I was happy to just, you know, be a mum. Yeah. So did you have support when you had the children at that young age? Yeah, I moved, moving to Taupo, a couple of my sisters lived here. One moved away, we've all moved around, but now all four sisters live in the same town. My youngest sister moved here, which is amazing because growing up, I never had any aunties or uncles or cousin within the same town. So it's pretty special because two of my sisters, one of them's got one boy and one's got two boys. So there's all these boys that can be really close cousins, which is exciting. But it's quite weird moving to a smaller town, like, making friends with people in coffee groups and having that same conversation but it was mainly I met quite a really nice group of friends through our kids through kindy and there was a group on Facebook like new to total mums we got to know each other and then I created a nice little click with them and I'm still besties with all those mums so um we're all great friends which is awesome so I do have support which is good oh that's good being you having having children they're they're a great icebreaker because I know being in, in small rural towns and moving um yeah the the last move that we did the children you know the children had long gone and so it was forming friendships just without children and that is entirely different yeah totally really different yeah okay now if any your book oh sorry not your book your business we've got my book on your brain because we'll talk about <laughs> Your business doesn't always look like it does today. And you gave us a little bit of a snippet on how, yeah, the seeds of how it started. So can you just go back in a little bit more detail, share the origin story of it? Yes. So we moved to Topo and I obviously loved cooking from working in the cooking magazines, but I wouldn't call myself a chef or anything like that. I've never done any formal training. I just like cooking easy family meals. So I got this new app. I can't remember what it was called, but I was so excited. And I started editing little videos of me, Um, cooking and then I I didn't want to upload them to my personal page so I made a page on Facebook called VJ Cooks because VJ is my nickname Vanya Jean so my whole family calls me VJ Um, so I called it VJ Cooks and I put a few like a video of me doing like making a spinach thing with the phyllo chicken thing with the kids and then it got like a few hundred views and I was like oh this is pretty cool and then I put another one on a few hundred views and then I put this um, mango pavlova on just before Christmas 2016 so a long time ago um and it got 50,000 views in three days and I thought hey I can make something of this Mm. so after that I make a recipe each week and this was the only thing I was working on just um one recipe each week so I do it in that time or whenever and then um upload it and this is all on Facebook yeah all on Facebook I only had Instagram for like my personal like private stuff like 200 friends following yeah um and then I did like a wheat bix slice which is like a chocolate wheat bix slice which was my auntie's recipe because it was written in my um cookbook which my mum gave to me for my 21st which is really mm. sweet mm. and that had like a million views in a couple of weeks and I was oh, like wow oh. yeah so I just kept posting recipes and I wasn't making any money for like the first year or two and then I've made friends with other foodies and then one of them says you need to have a website and I was like why I'm just sharing on Facebook and she's like well I made $400 for my website last month and I was like what are you talking about (laughs) so that's when I made vjcooks.com and instead of I used to just put the recipes in the Facebook post which I think helped my success on Facebook because I Mm. people stayed on Facebook instead of going away to my website which Facebook Mm. liked because it wants you to stay on there as long as possible so 
then I built the website and now I make, that's one of my main revenue streams is ad revenue on my website because it's got over 400 recipes on there now. Wow. That's it's amazing. about 20,000 hits a day. 20,000? Yeah. Holy. And, and are they mainly New Zealand, Australia or are they? Is it yeah, global? New Zealand, Australia, but all around the world. So it had 7 million views last year. Or hits or something. I don't know. I love the way you just these sort of numbers are just flying off the top. Yeah, it's crazy. I like it. yeah. <laughs> I get excited yeah, yeah, yeah. with ten thousand views or something. Ad money, like when you see those ads when you're looking at a recipe and it's quite yeah. long. Yes. That I make like one cent, but a few times that by twenty thousand, it's like two hundred dollars US. Gotcha. That's like a big day, which is great. And then yeah, you times yeah. it by thirty days, it's quite yes. a lot of money. That, that does end up being, and it's passive, isn't it? Really, once you've yeah. got it all set up, yeah. it's just letting it do its own thing. Amazing. Yeah, well, we, put, we put a lot of work into the website because the better it gets, the more Google knows you as an authority. So they'll yeah. make you make higher. When someone Googles mince and pasta, my mince and pasta comes up first. So that's one of my top ranking recipes. Is that right? Well, yeah. now, now I'm intrigued. I, and probably everybody else will be too. They'll be typing in mince and pasta and yeah. seeing Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. from that, you you then then you've got a membership. Yeah, so I started investing in mentoring probably yeah, when the business was about a year and a half old. I think I started in Tracy Harris's Social Method Society when she mm -hmm. launched that because I didn't know what an email list was, didn't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. And I'd had a my Facebook following was quite big by then, probably like 70,000 Facebook followers. And I'd kind of introduced Instagram as a behind the scenes of the Facebook page, but mm -hmm. that started growing as well. So I invested in mentoring, which at the time, like $50 a month seemed like so much money to invest in yourself. But I think just um, having that time to study and learn each month, learn what the email marketing was, email, learn what a freebie or an opt-in was. I had no idea what these things were. So it's quite confusing. You don't know where to start. So I think if you can afford it, invest in some kind of way to upskill. Yes. And then a few years after doing that, I built an email list, um, Tracy's like, you have to start a membership. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I can't charge people for recipes. She's like, yes, you can. You're giving all this content away for free. Mm. So I created Cooking with BJ. So that's where everyone gets a monthly ebook with um, new recipes. Then we cook them along together and we've got an awesome community. And um, those recipes are exclusive. And then about three to six months later, I put them on the website. So I fill gaps on my website with my ebooks. So, yeah, so I've got almost 1,200 members in the membership now. Wow, congratulations. That is huge. That is huge from somebody yeah. just taking the odd photo all those yeah. years ago. Incredible. Yeah. And not only that, you've, you've become like, I, I joke that you're, you're like the next Donna Hay, which I believe you are. Oh, you've, got you. one, you've got one cookbook. And now yeah. just a minute ago, your husband slipped through the manuscript of your second Yes, yeah. But um, yeah, so this one comes out later in the year, which I'm excited about. So this one was called Everyday Favourites. And it was um, mainly dinners and baking. So because yeah. people love following me for the everyday easy family meals, because it's ingredients that they have in their pantries. It's not too scary. No, it's not. And I I've, I cook quite a lot of them. So yeah. I can vouch for how easy they are and tasty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So your businesses and your life has changed incredibly over the last, well, how, how many years would you say it's just in a... Uh, so six and a half years, six years. Well, I, I started BJ Cooks when Henry was like six months old and he's about okay. to turn seven. Yeah, so 
It was, I was, it was a hobby for a while. Yeah. I thought it was a hobby and a side hustle for a while, and now it's my full-on business, and I've got a team that helps me of other mums that work part-time, but they kind of add mm-hmm. up to, like, a full-time person. So yeah. I can't do it all anymore. Oh, God, no. And, you know, it's like you've got Rocket Booster on your business, and so your yeah. life would have had to have changed to accommodate that as well. Yeah. What do you do to help yourself through all of those busy times? Like what sort of things do you do to support yourself so, you, you know, you can maintain time for your family, time for yourself and, you know, get a clear head as well? Well, that's something that I'm not that good at is work-life boundaries. As you may know, Joe. it always comes up. Every, we're in a mastermind <laughs> together and my question is always like, how do I slow down? Yeah. But I try and structure my week to do my, make sure I do my exercise first, like drop off the kids at school and then three days a week I go to the gym and do some strength mm. training. With the, I've got a PT, which I do once a week. And then the other times I do the strength training by myself or I try and go for a walk or something like that. So I structure my days. If I do the exercise first, I feel like I've done something for myself before I get yeah. into the business. Stuff. Otherwise, if I leave it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And um, just trying to switch off. I've been trying to have Fridays off, but that's happened like twice in the last six months. <laughs> But the intention is there. <laughs> no, I'm probably not right, not the right person to talk about work-life balance. I just love working so much. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. Oh, pleasure. Really thanks fun. so much for coming on. Cheers. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening and sharing your time with me today. I'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple Podcast or your favourite podcast app to keep spreading these empowering messages. Please share this podcast with other incredible midlife women in your world. Join me again next week for another redefining midlife conversation. Thanks again for tuning in.